A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello. Welcome to another episode of How to Be Sound. This is... Beatrice McCabe for a change. Guess you couldn't tell. And my guest tonight is Rosemary McCabe. Hello, Rosemary. Hello, Beatrice. How are you? Very good, thanks. Nice to have you on the show. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. You're welcome. I, I feel You're very honoured. You're welcome. I am reminded of when I first started listening to the High Low, which I have a love-hate relationship with now. Maybe like the title, High Low. It kind of annoys me. Anyway, when I first started listening to the High Low, I had no idea who was speaking at any given time. The only time I could tell them apart was when Pandora was pregnant and Dolly would occasionally talk about drinking, be like, oh, I was out drinking the other night. And then I'd be like, that's Dolly because Pandora's pregnant, so she's not drinking. But it was only after I read or after I listened to Do- Dolly's book on audiobook, which I didn't think was that great. But I listened to it and then I tuned into her voice. So I'm wondering if anybody will be able to tell us apart. For the benefit of the listeners at home, I'd like to point out that Rosemary has a terrible habit of pointing her fingers. Stop <laughs> pointing at me. <laughs> While you're talking to me, there's only not, you and me here. And I'm you're not point- pointing your at you. Your hand is up in the air again. No, Put no, no, I down. know, because I'm trying to remind myself of what I... But I'm not pointing at you, I'm just pointing at the... It's very hot in here. Considering the rest of the house is like an icebox. Maybe it's the massive sweater that you have yeah, but, on. Sorry, I, I know, jumper. But, Maybe it's the massive jumper that oh you have on. Oh my God. Right. That brings us nicely on to Beatrice's number one pet peeve since I arrived in America. It's definitely it's, not my number one. But <laughs> one of my pet peeves since bitch. you've arrived in America... I'd say I just am shocked more than anything else. I wouldn't even call it a pet peeve. I'm just more surprised by your amazing ability to... How smoothly I have transitioned to the American way of life. <laughs> I didn't think that's what you were going to say. How smoothly you have, yeah, how smoothly you have like morphed into a yank, basically. I mean, it's quite shocking to me, honestly. I think um, I would be really, really good in like, you know, like World War Three or like World War Two, and you think, God, how did people just go along World with War that? World War Three, did you just say... No, no, I said I would be really good in World War Three, oh, And then I said, oh. you know, for, you know, for instance, in World War Two, when people went, God, how did people go along with that? I would be really good at going along with anything. Oh, I would absolutely I fall in I line. I know. I do, I'd do such a good job of it. I know. But I think it's a important. Lament. I was about to say, I think it's important to adjust to your surroundings, but I don't. The reason I do it, I think so willingly, is because I have a real paranoia about people hearing my voice and, and thinking of me as the leprechaun from The Simpsons. So I, I mean, don't want anyone to have a moment where they go, what is that Irish leprechaun saying? So I want to be like, yeah, I'm just going to put it in the trash. You know? Okay. You know? Okay. On this episode of How To Be Sound, I'm <laughs> going to be talking to my older sister, much older, Beatrice McCabe. Thanks. Hi. With whom I am currently, would you say lodging? I would say yes. I would say um, cohabiting. Oh, no, that sounds like we're in love. We are in I love. I mean, we are. We're in love. Oh, I know, right. With whom you are sister wiving. <laughs> Definitely not. Really not. <laughs> With whom you are staying. You know, this is the first episode of How to Be Sound that I've ever recorded while drinking wine. Well, I mean, I don't know therein what that lies you. the difference between you and me. This would be, this is the first podcast I've ever re- recorded and I'm already drinking wine and I can intend to continue drinking wine through every podcast I ever record. Hopefully that would be my ideal podcast. But we have very different views on wine, so that's fine. And podcasting. I'm finding this rather 
uncomfortable for my neck, but that's fine. Liam can edit that part out. <laughs> can I move this a tiny bit? There we go. Yeah. Okay. You can just keep saying that throughout the whole thing. Liam can edit that out. Liam, no, take you that talk out. talk to me normally. Oh. So the reason I wanted to have my sister on is because she's the only person I know in Fort Wayne. Correct. Well, no, well, I mean, I know a handful of people You're going to have that other person on as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, The man yeah, from yeah. Electric Works, we're going to have him on. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But I wanted to talk to you about what it was that drove you to abandon us all mm-hmm. years and years ago. How long have you been... Do you still consider yourself an expat? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, mean, I don't think I ever use that term because I always feel like... I always associate that with being British, I don't know why. It's okay to be British. It's fine, but I mean, I'm not. So I, I always felt that was a very British term. I don't really use it. How long have I not been in Ireland? What age am I? 35... Uh, <laughs> 40 <laughs> um, since I was like 21 or two so like 19 years yeah I find that really weird because I, I think that I I think that it's very easy to fall into this like when I first moved here I met many um, people of like an older generation very uh, nationalistic you know living in New York Irish people you mean yeah, yeah okay, Irish okay. people and they would talk to me about like their version of Ireland and be like talking about you know well it's like this and you know an Ireland is like that and Irish people this and it was all very like emphatic and but always also very disconnected from my idea of or my recollection of you know Ireland two weeks ago and I think it's very important or it's difficult at the same time but like something I try to remember is to remember that I haven't been there recently that I haven't lived there recently like 20 years is actually a really long time like for me it seems really mm. recent but it's hard to um, avoid saying things like oh Ireland's not like that or you know people don't do that in Ireland but I have to remember that I don't actually know anymore you know I have to you know I think you and I had a conversation a couple of years ago where you know all jokes aside you started talking with a very American accent with like that uptick at the end of your sentences and I thought it was very affected if you could see as you know, the eye roll, there's, there are certain things that like... You could see Rosemary's eye rolling is what yeah, she yeah, means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are certain things that other people could say to me and I'd be like, ah, yeah, I know I did that. And then my sister says to me, I'm like, you're such a bitch. I'm so angry right now. <laughs> it's true. That's one of them. But, when I, but I thought it was like very much just you being affected by your watching of the OC. But when I went back to Ireland, oh, I realised... realised everyone was doing it. Yeah, I realised this was the way Irish people were speaking, like young Irish people were speaking like this. And it was, you know, part of the influence of America, of America, but also just mm-hmm. part of the influence of like being more international, etc. Yeah, part of the evolution of, yeah, of the, language, the country. Exactly. And like, not to say that it's necessarily a good or bad thing, well, but I mean, yeah, yeah, I get you. Well, I mean, it's more, I was just making fun of you and then I realised, <laughs> oh no, this is just what this generation is doing. You know? She's not the only knob. They're all at it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But um, it's very hard like not to, I mean, and work people go, you know, what's it? I mean, for example, recently in, in our cafeteria, we have like International Thursday lunches, right? And they made Irish lunch. And I went in oh, semi-dreading God. like, what, what is this going to be? But anyway. I would be totally dreading what that was though. I don't know what, uh, what quote unquote Irish meals somebody could serve me up that I would relish. Well, it was more but just, well, I mean, there's a very good food scene in Ireland now, you know, and, and nobody expects that or anticipates that. But anyway, in I go to the cafeteria. And literally go over there and there's this like massive big bowl of like disgusting smashed potatoes, you know, the powdered mashed potatoes with like merguez sausages, but not even merguez sausages. It wasn't even merguez. It was like the cheapy hot dogs that you get down in the supermarket. Like Frankfurters. Yes, chopped up in it. And they were like, here's this iron. And I was like, what's that called? Mr. Super Quinn would be rolling. I know, they were like, it's a a, a traditional Irish meal. And I'm like, this is 
Germany maybe but again that could be my preconception of another what was what was nation. with the sausages oh the, the the mashed potato I mean it was like it was hard it was like sausage, sausage and mashed potato <laughs> <laughs> I hope you said that in work. That's I didn't. Like I just. I was like. I felt like honestly, personally offended. And then you know, to be honest, I was like, maybe this is what Irish people are eating. No, I didn't think that. But is I but was horrified. That's toad in the hole, isn't it? And that would be British. Like toad in the hole, the mashed potato and sausage. Yeah, but also it's like actuals. I didn't even put that together because it honestly was horrifying. I didn't even think about toad in the hole. What did you eat? What did you, you eat any of it? Like no, I didn't. On the Irish, what? It was horrific. It was like horrific, <laughs> genuinely horrifying. Like I took it back to my desk. I looked at it. I was like, I actually can't do this. And I threw it in the bin, which may be wasteful, but I was I was honestly horrified. But then also there were so many jokes about this Irish meal. I really objected to it afterwards. Did other people in the office eat it? Yeah, they all ate it. And they were like, Did you what do you think of that international lunch? Like it was really bad. I'm kind of flattered that they that like the words international and Irish will be put together though. It is international. I know, but like international to me seems more glamorous. French. Or maybe <laughs> Italiano. Speaking of which, I don't know why I did that, like Italiano. I mean, obviously, I look, I'm bored listening to you. I know everything that mm-hmm. you've been doing. But what was it that, that made you leave Ireland? We should have probably said that at the beginning. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, A terrible breakup. No, it wasn't. No, it was... It was more like... I mean, so it was 19 years ago. It was more... You, I, there were a couple of like there were small couple of small companies in well, Dublin. Well, hang on. You studied you studied fashion design yeah. and history of art. Yeah, in and NCAD. NCAD. Yeah. And did you know when you finished because you're a fashion designer now? But did you know when you finished that you wanted to do fashion design, or were you kind of going, I want to do something in fashion or something in you know the the wider sphere, or were you a, were you kind of specific about it? Well, I was specifically thinking I was going to be a fashion designer, as in apparel designer. Because that was what I studied, but I had actually, I mean, we apart call from that clothing and clothing, correct? But apart from things like um, styling or magazines, I didn't actually know that there was an entire ecosystem around fashion. Like we didn't study anything about the business of fashion. Things like I think that are much more known now. Although mm. you know, I still don't know. Like if I was me in college now, would I have a broader? Not I think that with the rise, with the advent of all of this information, you know, that is so much more accessible now. Like business of fashion yeah um, yeah yeah I was gonna you know, say even that. style.com vogue.com yeah. any of those things like there's or man repeller refinery 29 there's but, so uh, many different I mean um, I mean even even you can see like when London Fashion Week is on there yeah there are behind the scenes videos put up on YouTube where yeah. you can see oh there's a whole swathe of people that we never hear about who are working yeah, I mean, on exactly, these projects like Instagram all of these things you have a, a you have a window into people's lives or careers that you could never have before and I think that, well, like, certainly I had no idea and I always felt like it would be good to, you know, give a course or write a book or something about all the different avenues that are open to people. Because now, you know, people study fashion merchandising. I just still don't know that that's so widely known, but like this merchandising, planning, you know, the whole side of marketing as it pertains to fashion, all of those things mm. I didn't really, um, I wasn't aware of. I thought fashion design was like the be all and end all. And I thought I would be an apparel designer and actually never really. I mean, the only job I ever had in apparel design was when I first moved to Milan after college. I got a job initially at Fiorucci, which is an Italian fashion house. And I think I think most of us probably remember the jumpers with the two angels mm-hmm. and the Fiorucci logo. Yeah, and the you cherries still buy them, and I think, on ASOS. Yeah. And it's a license now. But anyway, I got a job and it was like way out in the boondocks, like outside of Milan. I had to get up at 5 a.m. to get a lift from this guy who would drive by in the, you know, in the dead of like the dark of the Milanese night and pick me up in his car and drive me out there. 
And I was working there for about six weeks and I never got a paycheck. And then I arrived to work one day. And all of the women in the sewing room were out on the street picketing. Like, basically, they hadn't been paid for six months. And they were like, oh. you know, pay us. And they, you're going. And I, of course, didn't understand Italian. So I had to, like, write down what it said on the picket boards, on the, pla- you know, on the placards. Yeah, and, and take it back. It and take it back home to my friends and say, like, what does this say? And they're like, it says, you're going bankrupt. You know, pay us. So that was kind of an intro- interesting introduction. But that was really my only job in apparel. And then I got a job in Marnie through friends of my cousin's. And I got a job and I was doing like technical illustrations. So I would draw the apparel that the designers designed. And I moved into assisting the creative director there who was really focused on the accessories and the print design. And and I kind of ended up in accessories and that's where I've been ever since, you know. That's a very Irish story of like my cousin knew somebody... I think that's actually life. Which is incredible. Like, honestly, yeah, 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 true. But I mean, I think that's certainly life in fashion. Like so much of it is who you know. And like just, it's it's more like that first foot in the door is really, really hard to get. And once you get it, and it was actually weird because it wasn't my cousin's friend. It wasn't like he, my cousin's friend, friend's girlfriend at the time worked in Marnie in the atelier in the sewing room. And she said, hey, there's this job going. And I turned up and I went for an interview with the head designer at the time. And he was... I'd say a unique individual and he brings me for lunch and I was so broke like you've no idea I was so broke and he brings me for lunch and he brought me with two other designers and he had like I don't know two two bottles of wine and like a main course and a dessert and all this kind and of did stuff they divide I thought the this bill was, by four no I thought this was super fancy he left me with the bill <gasps> yeah I was uh, it was I mean I honestly it? nearly had a heart attack I had to go out to the bank it was like so I should go to the bank like text mom to wire me money all this kind of stuff turned out okay but I mean it was a very strange first move I mean you know what that's that's one of one of the things that I always tell people like when I used to meet young journalists who'd be going oh can I meet you for a coffee to pick your brains about something I would always pay and I would always tell them if you meet somebody who's paid more than you are let them pay like, I mean, like I not mean, on no, dates or not I mean, friends, this but like was in a not business. Even, oh no, I know that's bizarre. No, this was actually just weird. But like, like somebody I mean, needed totally to tell him that. He knew it. He totally knew it was totally weird. Well, like imagine how much worse it would have been if you hadn't got the job. <laughs> At least you got the job. He's like, <gasps> I got the job. I like yeah. milked her for those two bottles of wine, but sure, I gave her oh, the job. Just in the so end. bizarre. I mean, you know, it was probably um, the first taste of just how bizarre the fashion industry can be. And why did you decide to go to Milan over anywhere else? Well, I did Erasmus in Milan. I just always wanted to go to Italy. I had like very romantic notions of what it was all going to be like. I loved, I wanted to learn Italian. I loved just the art history. I think it was maybe the art history aspect of it that I was like fascinated by, you know, this rich culture. And so after college, I went over, I didn't have a job or anything like that. I went over and I knocked on, I remember walking up and down all the streets of Milan with my portfolio in my bag and knocking on just all like the buzzers. Just like America's Next Top Model. Yeah, exactly. And like, but, but they different. wouldn't even open the door. They would oh. just say... See, and I would have nothing to say to that. I'd be like, hello. (laughs) So (laughs) I remember the first time I came over to meet you. I think maybe the first time I came over on my own when you were in Milan and I was in college studying Italian. And so I had kind of very basics. But I came over to meet you and I think you took a half day or something and you went in at lunchtime and you left me in a cafe and were like, you know, why don't you get a sandwich here and you can have a sandwich and a coffee and then go back up to the apartment or something. And I remember going up to order and I was like prepared I was like I know what I want I know how to say it in Italian I know how to say please and thank you and they said something like prendere a strada and I went si 
like had no clue what they were saying. They were basically saying, do you want it to take away? And then they handed me a takeaway thing and basically shoved me out the door. And I was so disappointed. I really wanted to sit down <laughs> and have my sandwich, but I didn't know how to say no. I'm, gonna sit. Back in. I'm sure I could have, but I was so scarlet that I was like, oh, I'm definitely take, taking it for the road. Goodbye. God, why <laughs> do we do these really stupid things? Like, oh yeah, thanks. What, like, yeah, I mean, what, like, why are we so embarrassed of yeah. what the person in the, the cafe is I'm sure they wouldn't like. actually be shocked. Oh, I'm actually foreign. I didn't care. understand you. I'm just sitting back down. Oh my God, speaking of which, today I got honked at twice. Well, in a good I, way? No, I was in the car. I was trying to find parking downtown, so I was driving quite slowly and I kept thinking I saw a space and indicating and then going, oh, oh that's not a space. I would just like to clarify that Fort Wayne is hardly, you know, chock-a-block with the traffic. I thought I saw a space. Oh no, you know what it was? I did see a, I, I did see a space. I saw many spaces. I saw many spaces, yes. but they all said one hour max. So I was oh. like, oh, I don't want to park there. I want to okay. park somewhere else. And uh, I got beeped at. And I realised both times I got beeped at, I went, I'm farting. Like in a weird, but like, obviously they couldn't hear me. I was just saying it to myself in the car. It's like, leave me alone. I'm farting. What is wrong with me? You actually said that? To myself, like, but yes, out loud. And then I was like, what am I, who am I saying? Who am I defending mm. myself to? I think I was preparing for like a policeman to come over and go, ma'am. Do you have a driver's license? I'd be like, I'm farting. Sorry. What about the time I got, I got, okay, so anyway, I was driving to work one morning and I was parked behind. I had stopped. Here. Like, at, yeah, I stopped at a stop sign. Yeah, here. I was only here about six months. I was driving to work and I stopped at a stop sign and there was a big truck, like a big lorry parked in front of me and I stopped. He was stopped, obviously. And he started to back up very slowly, like just totally apropos of nothing. And I, of course, couldn't, you know, engage foot, brain and panic centre all at the same time. So Understandable. I kind of kicked my feet around in like, <laughs> the well of the car, uh, but nothing actually happened. Anyway, he crashed into me, of course. So next thing you know, the police are called, right, because they have to come and your man's like, he was super nice and apologetic, but he's like, oh, we'll call the police and they can take all our details and blah, blah. So your man comes along and he's like, he's like, step out of the car, ma'am, you know, so I step out of the car. Uh, what is this piece of paper? I'm like, this is, oh, it's an interesting, and I was only here for a couple of months, so I didn't, um, anyway, so I give him my license. What is this piece of paper, ma'am? And I'm like, um, oh, it's an international driver's license. He has a point. Well, excuse me. Go it on. is an international, it's my, it's an Irish driver's license. It's a pink piece of paper, fold out three pieces, right? It's beautiful. Anyway, and lots of it is in Irish. So, you know, sorry if you don't recognize it, but you're. <laughs> I have a card now, you know. Okay, good. Go on. Anyway, what is this piece of paper, ma'am? And I go, oh, it's an Irish driver's license. Mm-hmm. Where did this come from? I'm like, uh, Ireland. Uh, who issued this exactly, ma'am? I'm like, the Irish government? I'm like, I don't know. Do you know the Irish Motor Vehicle? Department of Transport, maybe? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I don't... Somebody in Ireland. Ma'am, is this real? We have a lot of forgeries here. We have a lot of Mexicans coming up here who like to have fake driver's license that they pay for on the internet. How do I know this isn't fake? And I'm like, I was just like, what? I mean... Sorry, like it's wrong on so many levels. Like, but like, the, I you don't, and like, surely it's. it's I also got crashed into here. Yeah, you know but also, mean? I mean, totally aside from that, because I'm kind of shocked that he was like, "Get out of your car!" When when you were the one who got crashed mm-hmm. into, he could have been nicer about that. I mean, he but, was kind of nice, and he was sort of handsome too, which made oh. the whole thing. But I mean, uh, nonetheless, like, it doesn't matter how handsome you are. Of like, you're obviously a knob. Sorry, of like. course. But like, if he is a policeman who responds to traffic violations, surely it is his job to know. I'm just opening the wine. <laughs> I know you are. It's very loud. Surely it's his job to know what the international driver's licenses like look like. It's like a sensual... It's like ASMR. If you could just stop talking for a second. Ooh. 
We've never had such such a ruckus. All I should say is I show. wasn't planning to pour quite so much, but it sounded so good. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna regret that when you hear without <laughs> what you sound like. How long were you in Milan for then? Three and a half years. And then where'd you go? And then Rosemary, I upped sticks and I moved to Gay Paris. And I had a fantastic time there working at John Galliano for another three years. I would like to point out that in the meantime, so I had gone to college to do an, an, an orts degree, basically because I wanted to be a journalist. But Marion Finucane, my good family friend, name drop, had said to me not to do journalism directly. She was like, do something else. You have something to write about, right? So I did. When I was choosing my subjects, they were like, what, what subjects do you want to do? So in first year, I did English, psychology, sociology and politics, mm-hmm. which I hated. And where then I was go, like, where are we going with this? And then I was like, I'll do a language. My sister's in Italy. Yes, Wouldn't I'd it actually, be handy yes, to learn Italian? I was Italian? actually about to say, I'd like to rewind to a couple of these stories about Rosemary that I would like to share with everybody. Hang Number on. one. What I'm saying is how annoying oh. it is when you decide to learn a language for oh. your sister living in that country and then fucking moves. Well, I'd like to talk about the summer that Rosemary came to stay with us in Milan. How long were you there for? Uh, 10 weeks not even that long it was a fantastic 10 weeks we had a gorgeous apartment myself and my friend Julie um, on the top floor of a beautiful building down on the outskirts of the Navilio which is like the canals in Milan and uh, we had a beautiful we we, we rented it for the terrazzo it was it was beautiful so gorgeous we we used to go out there with our Turkish pillows and our plants and play the Turkish CD that I got on holidays when we were about 18 <laughs> and we would listen to it and was that by um, Sir Tab Aaron? yes and oh we would do God. some you know she won the Eurovision very Vision. pathetic oh no it was a guy some very oh. pathetic oh. his name was Tarkan Tarkan that was it <laughs> we'd do some very uh, I would say unimpressive loose, belly dancing I was just about to say <laughs> loose, loose interpretation of belly dancing loose belly dancing that's too personal anyway <laughs> also I remember at one point Julie had a boyfriend who um, I went I went in to like fix a, a drink one evening I came out and he was a yo guy and he was like I thought they would be kissing on the balcony I come I back it was out yogi whatever oh. I come back out and there they are like there he is upside down with his legs wrapped around her head, his head her head his head his head his own head <laughs> his own okay, head okay okay showing her like his flexibility I was going this is very sounds tame sounds like he was showing her this more is, than his flexibility no he really wasn't it was very tame anyway uh, one week I don't think I could ever go out with a yogi one week Rosemary uh, sorry Julie and I went down to we, I can't remember where we went did we go to Sicily, Sicily. we went to Sicily, Sicily. and we entrusted Without Rosemary me. with our beautiful terrazzo with all the plants come back two weeks later whatever ten days later to discover Rosemary fast asleep in the bed snoozed very relaxed we pulled up the curtains to the terrazzo like obviously she's you know it's just been a bit hot no it turns out Rosemary hasn't actually opened these curtains for the ten days we were away and the entire terrazzo was bone dry dead pathetic I so would like to point out some important never factors. Never trust rosemary with your plants is all I <laughs> don't, have to say. Don't trust rosemary with your animate objects. I would like to point out several things. Number one, there was a heat wave. Um, Whatever. Number two, I did water them on the very first day, and after which I totally forgot. And I've apologised thousands and thousands of times. But also, like the next week you're moving to Paris and we're going to bring the plants. But that's not the point. That is... It was Absolutely very beside was, the point. And I feel like you're exaggerating. It wasn't the next week. In a nod to my so-called murder, uh, the other podcast that Rosemary My favourite murder. Oh, that one. So-called murder. So-called Jesus Christ, mom. Angela Chase gets killed. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. What were you nodding Can to you my favourite murder there for? There was literally only one season I of know, that. I I can't. <laughs> I can't believe it. 
I can. <laughs> anyway. Um, anyway. One of my favourite things was, so Rosemary worked in this bar. Oh my God, Do you remember you worked in this bar? No, we weren't. Yes. Remember you worked in this bar that like I used to frequent on a regular basis? Yes. Would avoid, so like the bars closed at 3 or 4 a.m. So so we lived like in the most darkened road oh ever with like no public transport God. or anything. And Rosemary would come home. I swear I have to hear about this once a month. I'd come home and be like, oh, I got home, it's cool, it's fine. I'd be like, Rosemary, I was trying to text you, I was trying to call you like, Oh, I couldn't answer you. I had my headphones on really loud, so I was safe. I'm like, oh my God, it's actually a miracle she survived. What she's trying to say is I used to walk home yes. in 30 minutes. It's like um, a joke. I actually wrote about this this week on my Patreon page, patreon.com slash rosemarymccabe, where I've added extra bu- extra benefits for my $1 subscribers. But I did point out, basically, and I don't think I've ever said this to you like this before, but in my head, I was imagining myself like Piper Perabo in Coyote Ugly. Oh no, and I was I'm like, pretty sure I knew that. <laughs> it's like... I can't just get a taxi home. I need to wind down. You used to always play that song on my like tiny keyboard. Do you remember? <laughs> you're just joking. No, I do not remember that. You know the one she plays with one finger on the roof. <laughs> oh, oh god. Anyway, listen. I survived. I wouldn't recommend it. Although actually, I lost a lot, lost a lot of weight in those ten weeks. I'm convinced it was from, from that did. incredibly sweaty thirty minute walk home. Insane. You actually drove us no, because I was always scoffing bread and olive oil, and I it's still true. lost loads we, of weight. We never could understand. We're like Rosemary has like eaten, but you weren't drinking. Again, that could be me and the wine. I think like I was drinking wine. a bit. No, no, no. I definitely was drinking a bit because I remember several nights when I wasn't working, going to Cape Town, the bar, the bar well, that I was working I say, in, and basically I, being accused of being an alcoholic. Well, should I? No, you weren't. Should no, I, no, no. By the bar people, oh, I mean. Please. That they'd should be like, I are you going home now? Should I qualify that with, you weren't drinking as much as we were drinking? Ah, uh, grand. Okay. That makes sense. Correct. But I was eating a lot of bread and olive oil. You were. Lots of delicious. But lot. listen, as Mary from Weight Watchers would say, you never regret a walk. As Mrs. Weight Watchers in France would say, you're not hungry, you're just thirsty. It's like, no, no, I'm actually starving. <laughs> She'd be like, no, just drink water. As our school nun, and my school nun and yours used to say, you, my dear, will never be starving. Which now that I say it out loud, I'm wondering if that was a bit of an insult. I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> she never said that to me. Suddenly, like, was she like looking just me saying. up and down going, you, my dear, will never be starving. Mm. Like that man in Spain who told me I had reserves. I mean, you, you, you have reserves. It wasn't wrong. I'm, I mean, like, I'm not so, going to interrupt this, like, moment of self-epiphany. This, this come-to-God yes. moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then you went to Paris. Did you love it? I did. I loved it. I loved Paris. I loved Milan, too. I mean, I loved, I really loved Paris. So we had, like, really great team members, like, lots of young people. It was really fun. I loved it. You had a really good social life in Paris, didn't I you? I did. And I loved, I loved the French... Alcohol? I think I th- No, yes, also. <laughs> I think I thought that... The, I think I found France maybe more modern than Milan. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. I was always surprised a little bit. Like, Milan is cool and it's very modern and it's very, like, everything is current and relevant, but it's a, it's not as maybe contemporary. Like, there aren't as many... There's not as much of a scene for young, for young people. I don't know. Paris is, is, like, more of a true urban, like, centre. You know, mm. Milan is, is more of an Italian city. It's more specific to Italy. Does that make sense? Like um, Paris is more of a melting pot for lots of different people from all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say like really wankily. Well, yeah, I mean, having been to both of those cities, I can see what you mean. Mm-hmm. Maybe people Thanks. don't know what you mean if they haven't been to that. But like, I know what you mean. But also like Milan, I'm about to say something that may be stupid. Milan isn't the capital of Italy. Sure, it's not. That's Rome. 
That's Rome. Yeah, so I like Milan also, isn't even the capital and Paris is the capital and is like bigger than Milan. And it's, Yeah, but also I feel like Italy in general is just more specific, like it's more specifically Italian. It's not as modern in terms of attitudes, you know, it's not as progressive as France. I mean, yeah. I'm sure Italian people are like, we're highly progressive and like, and I, I'm not trying to speak, you know, that was just my experience at the time. But it was maybe more closed off. There was a, there were a lot of issues with immigrants, and you know there were there was a lot more um, xenophobia. Not to say that yeah. that didn't exist yeah. in Paris, but it's a more um, integrated city because they've had a lot more time to deal with you know people like they have a lot. They have a big Guadeloupian culture, you know, because they have all of these in Paris. Yeah, like they yeah, have yeah, all yeah. of these countries that are you know French. Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot more like quote unquote immigrants there who've already integrated first, second, third generation. So they've had to deal with a lot of these things already, and it's more. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Paris is current. more cosmopolitan. Yeah. than like I think Milan more of like be. Paris in terms of like Paris, New York. You know. Yeah, Paris, New York, London. Yeah, yeah exactly. Would be in in similar yeah. categories. Yeah. And so, why did you leave Paris? Um, I mean, like it's interesting to me because I kind of know the answer to these questions, and then I kind of don't. I mean, I kind of don't either. When you ask me, I'm like, why did I leave Paris? I mean, I I enjoyed working at um, Galliano very much. Like, I loved it. But I also think there was part of me that wanted to, like, I was working, I was working really hard. But also, like, as a designer, there's a part of you that really wants to see your product being used and enjoyed by people. And working at Galliano was more like working in the theatre or in the opera. Like, it was fantastic. And the fashion shows were spectacular. So much effort, so much money put into them they were really Mm. truly theatrical operatic you know there were they were very um staged there was a lot of kind of choreography that went into them and they were really a big deal and they were very influential in terms of the fashion world but at the end of the day you worked on product that maybe had a run of you know 60 pieces if you were very very fortunate and his main clientele were like in Kuwait or Abu Dhabi, or you know, yeah, or, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it wasn't. Really I remember. I mean, I remember you telling me that Galliano, the label, wasn't necessarily made to sell Galliano clothes. Do you know what I mean? That yeah. like the business model wasn't we are going to sell X number of units. It was kind yeah. of like this is the creative output. The money is kind of coming from Dior because John Galliano was designing for Dior yeah. at the time. And then, and then I remember you telling me, and I mean, I think I've probably read about this since then, but you were the first person who ever told me that, say, big fashion houses don't necessarily make their money from the clothes that they show on the catwalk. They make their money from the hundreds of thousands of lipsticks they're selling or yeah. the hundreds of thousands of wallets. Do you know what I mean? That they're they're making their money on the smaller accessible things that are sold in huge numbers in China, in America, and that these huge gowns that you see going down the catwalk, they're not the things that are making the money. No, 100%. I mean, if you think about something like Fendi, all of their money is made from their accessories, but that's not... I mean, and I think that's a very strong external business for them like we all would recognize a Fendi handbag or you know I really want one of their handbag straps yeah for they my have non-Fendi all their handbags etc yeah, but, really like but their clothing is like so much more expensive to produce they have such a much smaller run of it it's so you know they, but they but it takes just as much work like just because it's a smaller production run doesn't mean it takes a smaller group of people it takes a lot of fabric development design development production sewers but it's not where the mm. money is made like you make your money off your accessories but you know? it's also kind of one couldn't exist without the other isn't that correct that like what's shown on the catwalk and the kind of the covetable nature of the clothing and the I suppose the kind of niche audience or like the niche buyer that's what makes the really high demand for the smaller accessories and the, and the lipstick and the and the wallets that like people see what's going on the catwalk and they see that maybe Cara de Lavinia o- o- owns one piece of it and they think 
I want to get a piece of that pie, but I can't mm-hmm. afford that, so I'm going to buy something down here. I mean, it's extremely aspirational, I think, is what mm. you're saying. You know, there's that... We were, well, I mean, I suppose... Look, sorry, but what I'm trying to say is that you couldn't get rid of the catwalk well, and just do the accessories yeah, and lipsticks. I'm going to give you a, diff- a different example that I think is probably even more understandable to people, you know, or to all of us, like it's more relevant now. If you think of a brand like Coach, which really had kind of cheapened itself by just becoming um, all off price, which is, you know, TJ Maxx, Factory. Kildare Village. Kildare Village, exactly. All outlet. Like that was really where all of their business was done. Over the past couple of years, they've been trying to clean that up and to become a full price brand again. And as part of that, like it's really hard to be a brand when you only sell bags because you don't know, like we can all project an image onto that handbag. You know, we could all think like, well, the clothing that goes with that or who, the person who wears that because they're not selling you an image really of the full look, the full mm-hmm, lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So I think that lifestyle component is really important and very aspirational. Like if you if you look at when Coach started their turnaround, it must be like three or four years ago now, one of their first things was to engage a new creative director but mainly to launch apparel and because that apparel allows you to project an aesthetic that is, to your point, aspirational. It's something that is clear in your mind. You know, this is the look. So the catwalk creates that fantasy for people. Oh, that, by buying that, like a handbag, you're buying an uh, you're buying a a piece of that dream. Yeah, that, you know that you're kind of going. I can be the Dior mm-hmm. woman with this one thing. Exactly. I can be yeah. the coach woman. With but this you bag. know what yeah. that Dior woman looks like through you. the apparel. Without yeah, apparel, yeah, yeah. it's very hard. Like I work for Vera Bradley now in in the states, and we are accessories, travel, home, lots of different product categories. But without apparel, it's actually very difficult to craft that lifestyle. Like we are a lifestyle, but until we can cre- give you that full head to toe look, it's hard for people. Well, maybe it's not hard for people. It's hard, I think it's easy for people to create an image of the brand, however they imagine it to be. It's hard for us to have um, one compelling kind of north star without that Mm. apparel to dress her head to toe because every time you go to shoot a handbag or you go to show a picture of a handbag you can't put on a naked body like you either can have it you can have it as a still photography right Mm -hmm. but that's not as emotional but if you want to put it on a person you then are forced to go out and buy somebody else's clothing so you tend to try and buy something that is but you tend to try and style it around something that is maybe more nondescript more yeah and then you end up dumbing it down and making it boring yeah i mean like you can't show a handbag on someone when they're like that's that fendi jacket exactly i mean actually you don't want another brand recognizable in your phone no it's funny because one of the campaigns that we did did have a lot of very patterned because we're a very passion brand did have a lot of very patterned clothing and we found that our customer service um was like inundated with phone calls where do those trousers come from? from yeah so it's not that people don't want, like I, half the time they thought it was us, you know, but that's kind of the danger. Like, what are you messaging? What are you yeah, signaling? Yeah. Like your clothes signal a lot of different things. So that's really what I think the whole advantage of having a lifestyle brand is to your point, you're messaging, you're sending a signal of cachet or on the flip side of casual living mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. You accessible, know, Zara everyday, trend. yeah, like a girl next door. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, on that customer service thing, when I worked in Stellar, we used to get so many calls to the switch. I mean, so many calls to the switchboard about so many random things, right? But one of the things that we would get is if ever we put a photograph of a woman, say even like somebody from a, a Hugo Boss advert or like not even Hugo Boss, that's a bad example. But if we put a, like a, a photograph, sorry, actually, this is a good one. <laughs> this is a really good example I'm about to use now. But if we did like a woman from a Rimmel advert mm-hmm. and say we cut her out and put her on an editorial page about beauty, we'd get calls going, where's her jumper from? Right. And yeah. you're like, we, that's the Rimmel model. We don't know. And then the other thing was when we did fashion shoots, I remember at one stage having a discussion with Kirsty, who was there. 
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. An editor of uh, Seller Magazine, who you can hear on a previous episode of How to Be Sound, and she was saying rolling to me, my eyes right now. She's rolling my eyes. Rolling she's her eyes rolling at my, my eyes. She's rolling no, my eyes. That's correct. I'm rolling that's my own correct. eyes. <laughs> she's rolling her own eyes at my radio voice. Oh. Um, Kirsty saying to me one day, I said something like, we don't need to include those shoes. You can barely see them. And literally you could see a cor- like a tiny little triangle of leather in the corner of the page. And she was going, no, if we don't put that in, somebody will call. And they would call. They would call and go, I see like a glimmer of a bracelet in the far left corner of that photograph. Where's that from? You'd be like, that's a blur in the background. Like that could be a bit of snot. You know, it could be anything. Like, I need to know where that's from. snot. Not in Stellar, but you know what I mean. I actually think it's amazing because I mean, I can't tell you how many hours I've spent wasted. Like, you know, there are those websites that tell you, you know, who who wore what in what TV show. It has never once occurred to me to like write into the TV show or the magazine. Like I immediately... Google obsessively for hours, you know, black chiffon necktie shirt uh, buttons flattering. If you were on Episode Twitter, you two. could just tweet them every day and, and and annoy them, and eventually they would tell you. Oh, be like, make her go away. But like, usually it's like in something ancient that everybody else has watched years ago that I only just started SVU watching. SVU 1999. Excuse um, me, I like that. My main learning from working at Stellar was always write into magazines. If you have the time and the inclination and you want to win the prize, write in. Nobody writes into magazines anymore. Like, nobody emails them. We got so few readers' emails that it was always very slim pickings trying to pick, like, who'd get letter of the month. So, if you have the time, (laughs) write in because you could win the package of, like, Venus razors or whatever it was. So, from from Paris, you went to... New York. You sound really bored in my line of question. You're like, I just want to have a chat. Stop asking me about my job. <laughs> oh, I'm just like, okay. Let, let me tell you all now. You moved to New York and you worked for the Anvil Furstenberg, which was one of the highlights of my life because I had some great, great dresses from DVF. And not only did I have some, I don't know why I'm sounding really country now. It's good. Not only did I have some great dresses, but I got to go to a party in the DVF store in New York where, and I oh, tell everybody. Yes. I was once at a party with Giselle Bunchy. Where I was about to say you were once shocked by a toothpick with hair. <laughs> And you said, oh my God, is that Giselle Bunkin? And we were all shocked by how skinny she was. I do remember that. Shocked. It wasn't even, um, I mean, It yes. was how skinny she was. We yes. were all shocked. Yes, yes, yes. How but what sinewy. I, was, I, thought the last, I thought the last glass of wine was too big. I thought people might like another little um, <laughs> tinkle. <laughs> um, Shh. <laughs> You're ridiculous. 
I tell everybody, like, whenever, you know, occasionally in the office it'll come up like, who's the most famous person you've ever seen? And I'm like, I, I was at a party with Giselle Bunchen once. And then people are annoying and they go, what was she like? And I'm like, she was three miles away from me. No, you don't say that. You go, she was super smiley. No, I always say she was, no, she oh. was not super smiley. She was super smiley. Do you remember was she kept flicking her hair in every direction? I don't remember her flicking her hair. Now I'm having a vision of her like Connie Britton from Nashville or Friday Night Lights, Connie Britton, who I love. I could love um, Connie Britton too. But the thing that I noticed, yes, so she was super skinny, but not just that she was super skinny, but that her super skinniness had aged her incredibly. She looked like a skeleton with skin. She was super like, sinewy. Sinewy, but like she looked about 65. I think you're being mean now. You're just, you know... I think I'm not being mean. I'm just defending my choice. Face. I'm just defending my choice to, to to eat a pint of ice cream a night in America, and that's why I'm doing it it's to stay young. So, you moved to New York. You worked for DVF. What were the main differences that you noticed between working for a fashion brand in New York and working working for a fashion brand in a kind of Europe? I mean, I know Europe isn't like a monolith, but well, I can only speak to the experience that I've obviously had. Like, I don't want to overgeneralize. No, I mean, seriously, because like, of I think... Of course it's your experience. No, of course. Thanks, Rosemary. But I mean, um, I think like America is so business focused. You know, I never... But also I worked for very high-end fashion brands in Europe. So it's very possible that if you worked for like, you know, Zara or whatever, that it would be business, business. But I have to imagine that Zara is about insights, business, insights, business. You know? Oh, yeah. I'd say Zara is a lot of Excel. Yeah. But I, I, I more think, well, I mean, Zara is such a short term turnaround. Zara is such an interesting one, though, because I remember when I worked there, um, I worked in Zara. Jesus. <laughs> bashing the mic with their wine glass now and everything. When I, wor- <laughs> when I worked for Zara in Dublin, um, I worked in Zara when it opened in Dublin. And I served Nikki and Georgina on my very first day. I we're talking about you all you the know, time. I thought this was about me. No, this podcast has to be a chat. People like oh. like to hear from me as well, I think. <laughs> I hope. Liam, take that out. Stop um, saying that. Georgina and Nikki, um, I served them on the very oh. first day. And I told them that my mom had bought the VIP magazine just for their wedding. And then later, not that same day, but like later in my life, Nikki blocked me on Twitter. I don't know why. <laughs> don't know what I did to him. You know, you know, I've been blocked by about six different... Uh, Dublin DJs, all men. I don't find that Hate a DJ. unusual, honestly, Ugh. or shocking. But no, what I was going to say was the why, Zara... Why are they all DJs? You've only been blocked by DJs. Oh, no, I've been blocked by joking. loads of people, oh, yeah, but just exactly. I've been blocked by a lot of DJs. They all have one thing in common. They hate Rosemary McCabe. Or do you talk about your musical choices? Are they like, no. I can't? You know who has blocked me? Joe Duffy. But didn't you have talk a fight to with Joe. him? No, Joe Duffy's fucking 75 million years old. He's the guy who people call in, they go, Joe, my neighbour's been drilling for six weeks and Joe fixes their problems for them. Drilling out the electricals. What the fuck is wrong with you? Anyway, what I was gonna say was, oh Jesus, this this is the kind of this is the kind of chat you really wanted to be having. I'm so happy right now. I can't believe you're blocked by Joe Duffy. I thought yeah. you were blocked by that other guy, who? the one like who, Niall Boylan. No, I'm blocked by him as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Niall Boyle and Joe no, Duffy. No, the other guy, the guy you went in, you had the interview with him. Oh, George Hook. Oh, him. I don't think he's blocked me, but he should have. Oh, oh. So Niall yeah. Boyle and Joe Duffy, PJ Gallagher, Nicky Byrne. I just feel There's so more bad. Than is now. Nicky Byrne like boys? Are you saying Westlife? I can't believe you've been blocked by him. <laughs> I think that's kind of a good lame to I, fame. I everybody here that like you've got a really high profile in Ireland you're an influencer it's like she's managed to piss off every I've single such a high male profile. of note exactly yeah I've got such a high profile that I've pissed so, off this boy band member they're so sensitive so, snowflakes so, yeah well they're so 
threatened is all so I have to say threatened by a powerful woman mm-hmm. to be fair now to Nikki I think it was when I was tweeting about like this is bullshit he shouldn't have got that job he hasn't got a clue <laughs> so I think it's probably justified he's probably like I, he's probably like, I this can't bitch. cope with this anymore <laughs> anyway what I was trying to say about sorry, Zara was sorry. it's really interesting that they can basically look at their figures see this dress sold 500 units this week and they can produce it within two weeks yeah they but the one that but that's, huge numbers but of that's, it then, two but weeks that's because they take a big position on their fabrics so like most oh most companies when they design something they think I'm going to design this they design the bag or whatever the fab the the dress they then say what fabric should I make this out of this silk what colour would I like it in this pink colour whereas what Zara does is at the beginning of every season or like on a you know on their calendar whatever time it is I don't work there so I don't know but like I do know they do this they say these are our colours of the season these are our four core fabrics let's dye them all up in all the fabrics so the fabric is sitting there ready to go and they have these small batch production runs like that are ready so and they just get their designs their patterns and they just make them with the fabric that's ready to go how dare you mansplain Zara to me Oh, I mean that's interesting, and I'm annoyed that I didn't know that already. Oh, that I was, did actually. That's not mansplaining then if you didn't know. No, it's not mansplaining because you're a woman. It's not mansplaining because you didn't know. Have you seen the chart? No, no, it says, no. Does she know? No, no. Men explaining anything is mansplaining. That's the that's the hill I'm willing to die on. That's not true at all. You have to look at the chart. Have you seen I'm the chart? Ca- I've seen the chart. The chart is I've amazing. Seen the ch- Every Stop mansplaining, time, mansplaining to me. Every single time I watch it, I laugh. Every single time I read that chart. Oh, I was recently in a couple of meetings. I have to say, I just think this is a strange expression. I may have shared it with you. But Swirl? This, no, I know you like that one. But this woman who consultant who was working with us kept saying... So she would kind of bring us together every week or every two weeks to kind of go through whatever the work we were doing was, you know, and she'd go, okay, so like, let's look at page one and, you know, here we're going to look at this. And now there, here's an interesting topic. Let's just like, let's stare kind of hard at this for a few minutes. Let's I remember stare you telling at this, me this on the screen. I'm That's like, actually amazing. I just find that really odd, right? I'm going to start doing that um, to people. Uh, actually, that would be an amazing time, like an amazing way to fill time. Because I have frequently given talks where I'm like, how the fuck am I going to fill this 40 minutes? That's so not now, reassuring. So from now on, I'm going to start doing a block where I'm like, could we all just stare at this for three and a half minutes? But it was more like, let's stare really hard at this. Like, let's take some time to really stare at this. Was, I'm like, stare just doesn't seem like the right word. Was it by any chance one of those seeing eye pictures where you stare at it long enough and the shark goes 3D? I wish it had been. That would have been amazing. That would have been great. But that wasn't it. Anyway, I can't... Revolve. That's the company that I'm trying to think of. Revolve. So they are like now a billion dollars, I think, evaluation. And they are the best, you know, West Coast. They are the best at this. Their entire company, they have no designers. Their entire business is based on what is the customer buying? What does the customer want? What is the customer telling us? And they literally go out there. The customer is buying yellow, produce yellow. The customer is buying pink, make pink clothing. The customer is buying this dress in this color, and they like pair their, it's all algorithms and it's all about. So hang on, if there's no to the designers, their consumers. Who they, designs just, the clothes? they just go straight out to their factories and they're like, our customers telling us oh. they want pink, they want yellow, they want wrap dress, they want, and it's super responsive. And it's like, they're now a billion dollars valuation, like, which is phenomenal. And it's all about insights, it's all about marketing and insights. That's me scratching. My I know, leg. it's very loud. I'm waiting for you to stop. This podcast is never going to be over if you keep on with the sound effects. I have a mosquito bite in the base of my foot, do you hear me? And on the sole of my foot even, do you hear me giving out about it? Yes, all day long. I haven't mentioned it to you yet. Yes, you have. I haven't even shown you this mosquito bite yet. Oh my God. 
absolute okay. bitch trying to make me look bad anyway to make me sound so my then while I was in New York then I, I finished up at, at DVF worked there for a couple of years worked on her accessories launched accessories we had some wonderful times in New York didn't it was we? great I, it was really great I mean she's she's an amazing um Oh, I didn't even mean that. I just meant like... Well, she's also an amazing great inspiration women. And well, You had a really nice house. I had a lovely house. And it was... Um, it was amazing. Hot. I think I never really... It's very hot in here now. I never... It could be the wine. I never realised until now, like until my last couple of jobs, how phenomenal it was to work with all these women. You know, like mm. I just took it for granted. All these powerful women in all the most senior positions. Obviously, DVF was the most senior, but everybody else was, you know, female too. Mm. Like the, the only guy was um, in the finance department at the time that I was there. Anyway, then I left. I was like, I had my first baby and I just wanted something that was less. Like I worked all hours of the night, all hours of the day. Mm. We used to have meetings literally at 3 a.m. in the morning. We would have a meeting scheduled for 3 p.m. and our boss would just never turn up and it'd be like, oh, just wait there. Oh, just eat your dinner. Oh, he's coming soon. 11 o'clock would come, we should go home. And now I look back and I go, oh my God, like, why do I not just be like, I'm going home, you know, it's like, it's time to go home. And are you not one, exaggerating? Two, like you actually no, had a meeting no, at 3 a.m.? No, I'm not exaggerating at all. 1, 2, 3 a.m. And he would finally turn up and we would all be like, oh, thank God he's here. It's so great. Like we finally found time for us. Was I mean, this, it was insane. This was towards the end, wasn't it? When this was towards the end, yeah. And, and this was like, and this was when I was pregnant and and when I was, I was just like, I can't, I not I thought I was going to go back, you know, and then when I had my first baby, I was like, I can't go back. I was dreading going back in terms of like, when am I ever even going to see this baby? You know, so mm. I left anyway and uh, I got another job. Vince Camuto stayed there for a year. And how long did you have off then? Because I know maternity leave in the mm-hmm. US is really short. I had three months. You had three months. Yeah, so it's three still months really time. short. Like, yeah, three months that time. I've, so I have four kids. I had three months. She uh, really does. Yeah, I do. I had three months, three months, two months, three months. So that was... Two months? Yeah. That was on chance? That was... Because you're not entitled to any maternity leave if you're not in a company for a year. So twice I moved when I was pregnant. The first... the first, So my second child I, I had in Dallas when I moved down there to Fossil. And I had negotiated up front, you know, to have the three months off and they were like totally fine with oh, that oh you started that job just after you had him didn't you no I started when I was pregnant oh yeah yeah sorry, I was four sorry. months five months pregnant okay and uh so I negotiated that with them and they were like that's fine and then this then I moved again when I was pregnant with my third son and pregnancy pregnant. is obviously a great time of change for you yeah I know right I think I get bored I'm like god I'm pregnant God, nothing much is going on. I'm about yeah. to have a baby. Like, what else could I do? I'm pregnant. There's nothing well, actually, stressful happening in my life. Why don't I change actually, jobs and every move single, states? Every single child I've had, except for the last one, I've moved house and changed jobs. Yeah, within, during during that pregnancy. Yeah, so like an absolute. I moved states. You're right. I moved states. Yeah, I I was. Tr- I'm trying not to use ableist language when I give out about people making decisions that seem strange to me. Because I was going to say like 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 an absolute insane person. Oh. But then that's ableist. Well, you know. Me. I mean. Each to their own. All's well that I was going to say all's well that, that ends well, but you're not dead yet. Well, thanks. Um, and then I moved here when I was pregnant with my third child. Yeah, but I was, I mean, I was working after 10 days. I remember. Um, I remember. Didn't, didn't your team come over yeah, for a meeting? My team came over. Mom and dad were here. Our parents were here. And I remember yeah. mom calling me and going, your sister's mad. There are people over having a meeting. And it was yeah. literally within two weeks of having a Yeah, it was 10 days. Baby. The baby was 10 days old and they were all over my, in my sitting, in my sitting room meeting with me and going through colors and prints and bags, et cetera, et cetera. And, Did they you know, bring you anything delicious? 
they fucking better have. I don't know. I mean, it didn't matter. It's like they're all very nice, you know, it's fine. And then with my fourth child, my fourth and last child, I'd like to point out, it was the same, you know, after 10 days, everybody was over here working and stuff. But I'm happy to work here. Like, I, I preferred having the three months off, obviously, but it was fine. You know what I mean? It was, I preferred them to come over and work with me here than me to have to go back after the nine weeks. Because yeah. I really did find the nine weeks was really hard. I have to say it was really hard. Yeah. And I can't imagine, like, I have friends who are super senior and very, you know, talented and capable, but they just don't really have a lot of choice. Like, I have friends who've gone back to work after six weeks because it's just not been a choice for them. They they are the breadwinners. If you don't, it's kind of strange here as well. Like, you get up to three months off. The first week is, the first 10 days or whatever while your benefits kick in are unpaid. The next five weeks are paid up to like a very small percentage of your salary. And after that, you pay for it like you're you're unpaid. So it's really, it's it's not something that everybody has the luxury of being able to yeah, do. You yeah, know? the means to do. And I mean, obviously it's like, I can only imagine like from seeing you. I mean, I think I was with you very soon after Nash was born. That's my first. Yeah. Yeah. Who's, who's now eight. But I haven't been here to see you like in the immediate aftermath of any of the other three. Well, but I have seen my friends. Well, and I kind don't of go, worry, Rosemary. I would just like to kick. I would just like to put out for my mother um, that any time I ever complain or say, you know, I wish I had more time. You chose this. Choice. This was your choice. No, but what I was about to say was like you wouldn't be right after nine weeks as in mentally, like physically, I'd say you're still wrecked. And like, that's, that's not even, notwithstanding the fact that you're not sleeping because you're up feeding your baby. I mean, even if you had a wet nurse and a nanny, although actually that probably, probably you'd be grand. But yeah, you'd be grand. You know what I mean? Is And it's so soon after this huge No, it's more like highly emotional. Thing. You know what I mean? My hair is still actually falling out. Like my baby's 16 months old. It, it's like, I literally realized yesterday it's starting to fall out in clumps around the temples again. So it's all hi- highly hormonal, but I think the three months, it's fine. You can do it. Everybody does it. The nine weeks, six weeks, I can't imagine. Like, it depends Mm. as well. You know, it depends as well on your experience. Like, for me, I was, the last two were good. I was fine. You know, the first two were very difficult, like, recoveries and very painful and Mm. lots of, like, traumatic, you know, infections and all this kind of stuff. So, like, that was really hard to think that after six weeks, I I would have still been, like, in pieces. Yeah. Very challenged to sit on an office chair for long hours, you know, so I mean, I really don't know how people do do it because people with cesareans, you get an extra two weeks. So people with cesareans go back after eight weeks. And I think that must be very difficult. And also we have to remember, like, I'm super lucky that Don, who's my husband, stays at home and minds the kids, you know, and has done since Nash was born. Like, so you think the majority of people are back after six weeks. Mm-hmm. Both parents are working, like they're dropping their kids in daycare. I mean, when I drop my kids to pre-k which is like age four before you, before they start school like for six months or a year to kind of get them into kind of the you know the baby Rhythm baby infants like, kind of thing yeah. yeah yeah it's like there are babies there who are literally six weeks old oh yeah you know and there there's a whole room full of these tiny babies and you know I mean I, I presume they're all being very well cared for and you hope they are and whatever that's not the discussion that we're having yeah. but like that must be so difficult and to leave your baby in and then to know that you're coming back that evening but you know, people have to do these things. Like it's not always, it's not always a choice. Like I'm very lucky. Yeah. And I mean, 
I was kind of going to say as well, like people were over in your house having meetings because you have a very senior position. So it's not necessarily that you're like the fashion intern and people are over going, we have to have a meeting with you after nine weeks. Yeah, no, Do you know what I mean? So it is a different yeah. situation. But I mean, the whole thing is, isn't it? Like you're, you're not, you know what I mean? That's the, that's the long-term investment because it's like if you take the five years out, then you're going back at a disadvantage and you're missing that five years of like career growth and income yeah. growth and all that. Like, I mean, but I mean... But that's not even every single person I mean, has to decide if that's worth yeah, it for them. Not even career growth and income growth, but I think now, like in in this day and age, it's so crucial. No, like no matter what you work in, really, you really need to keep up because things are moving so quickly with online and technology. That I think in so many industries, obviously not all, but in so many industries, you take five years out, and you almost need to retrain. I don't know. Or I mean, to I mean, train I, up. You know I, don't, I, mean? I don't think so. I mean, I, I mean, depends on what you're doing. But like, I feel like most people who are interested enough in their industry would be... Would kind of keep on top of Keeping it. up to it. And I'm sure you could do a refresher course. And like your first day back, your first three months back are always going to be a nightmare. Like they're a nightmare. Yeah. I mean, I'm telling you now, like they're a nightmare when you go back after nine weeks. Yeah, yeah. And like, and you've had people over to your house every week. Like they are, you're literally like, this is chaos. Am I ever going to get back to normal? You know, truly like it's... You know, you're never going to be, you're never, you know, you can't do everything. Like, you can do your best. That's That, that would be a good note to end on, but I have more questions to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was very nice. That's fine, though. because I'm pretty, so sure, I'm pretty sure I'd like to do another, like, um, I was about to say tinkle, long tinkle into the glass, but that sounds bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned that Don, your husband, stays at home. Was that a difficult decision to come to? And do you ever, like, do you ever wish that was you? I totally wish it was me sometimes, sometimes. And then I hang out with the kids at home and I go, oh, Jesus, no, thanks. You've had your own experiences with them, right, Wozy? <laughs> Wozy. Um, Chance actually uh, had a cameo on my last podcast. Oh. I played a few, didn't I? When he was going, I don't love you. After I he came know. in and I, uh, and I booted him out unceremoniously. Uh, no, I do enjoy sending... I do feel... I, I enjoy sending him up to your room and then I also equally feel sorry for him when he bangs on your door and goes, Wozy, Wozy. And I know you're ignoring him. I think that's really bad. He's so upset. And he starts crying way too soon. Like today, to be fair, like I'm not 12 years old. I'm not as sprightly as I once was. It takes me a while to get to the door. Today he was bawling by the time I got and I literally got up the minute he knocked on the door. In fairness, he loves you. He loves me. Rosie, what you doing? Oh, he's so cute. He is actually so cute. He had, rather he said on your knee than mine right now, honestly. He's and then, so cute. And then he made me Especially play. since he's having these accidents. Oh, stop. <laughs> and then he made me play Lil Nas X Panini eight times. Oh, I must I must play that for you after so this. So much taste. Anyway, I would say, um, I think it was not a difficult decision at the time. In hindsight, we had no idea. Like, in hindsight, I think how easily you make decisions not knowing the impact that they'll have in your life, you know? Mm. I definitely would like the opportunity. I mean, it, it's it's funny because I was talking to a woman in the office the other day. She's like 55 maybe and she is also the breadwinner in her house. Now her husband is a retired, like he's a retired something like in the civil service basically. So he had a very, you know, a, a regular job, good salary, but she would ha- would be a big, you know, a significant mm-hmm. earner. And we were both talking about, you know, did you ever start, would you ever want to start your own thing? And she said, you know, well, I was always the breadwinner. It wasn't really an option for me, you know, because I didn't do it straight out of college. And then I had two kids and then you find yourself, it's kind of like life takes you down a path, you know? And I think when um, Don and I made the decision that he would stay home and take care of Nash, we thought we would have a baby or two babies. We thought we would be in New York 
we thought that this was a short-term decision and then in a year we would reassess. Mm. And because both of our jobs, because Don's a lighting designer and an event um, an event designer, so his job was always at nighttime, you know, and then I was doing a lot of travel. And so we realized once we had this baby, we couldn't, couldn't do, do both. Yeah, we couldn't yeah. both do this. And so I was the higher earner at the time. Not to say that like he couldn't have been eventually, but like mm-hmm. at the time that just made more sense, you know. And what so age he decided, um, 31. Yeah. So he did. He so he decided to stay home, and I think we truly both thought this was like an eighteen month decision. Mm-hmm. And then he would go back to work, and we'd get a nanny, or like we'd put you know nash yeah. in childcare, whatever. And then when we got pregnant with our second baby, so when Nash was like two, and it was always like, oh, not yet, you know, like I'm not yeah, ready to go yeah. back to work yet. I'll go when he's, you know, when he's X, when he's walking. Oh, and then it's like, yeah, I'll go yeah. when he's... When he's potty trained. Yeah, and then I'll go when he's... And, you know, and the, yeah. they, they're just so young and they're so like, uh, they need you so much. And we didn't mm. have anybody around us. So we didn't have any oh, yeah, of course. parents or family or anything that, you know, Don's you Don's family is, in, is based in, in Florida. Florida. Yeah. yeah. And so you're looking, and we were also the first of all of our friends to have kids. So it wasn't even like, oh, we can drop over to so-and-so. So you're like kind of testing this out by yourself, you know. Then we got pregnant when Nash was two and we decided we would leave New York because it was just too hard. We were living in an area where there weren't really any public schools he could go to. We would have had to go to private schools. So we'd be on the subway every morning with them going X and then going somewhere else for our jobs. And at a certain point you could just go like, I don't really know, working so hard to your point earlier on, like, you're what not, you we're not really for? seeing like, my kid. Yeah. Like, what, what are we working for? You know, we're not seeing each other. We're not seeing, yeah. our, we're not seeing our child. So we decided we'd move and I got a job in Dallas and we, mo- we moved to Dallas. And then we had, we ended up, so I was there, we were there for two and a half years. And then we decided we would move and we got pregnant again. I mean, now my mother would be like, listen, these things can't be accidents. And those, you they weren't. You didn't get pregnant. Like, no, we didn't, yeah. You didn't get no, no, pregnant. You, didn't you know how pregnant. this happens. I have to tell you, yet. the first time was definitely a shock. The second and third time, not so much. <laughs> but we also, like, we had two boys and I was determined, I was like, we're definitely going to have a girl. And then we had another boy and we moved her. And at that point, it's like, you have three kids. You know what I mean? Are you really like, and you're also now, you're not in New York anymore. Don's job was very focused on, being in an, a major, you know, urban hub. A hub, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, this is where events happen. This is where lighting happens. Then you're in a smaller town. Like, Dallas was probably still a big thing, but a lot of it is, like you said earlier on, connections, Who you know? You know? Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. going to say that. And it, like, particularly in an industry like that, it's, you know, you get jobs through word of mouth, through the people that you want to know, with. like, see if she was in her mom, basically, in Precisely, Texas. precisely. Yeah. yeah. And at that time, she disabled comments, so I couldn't, <laughs> uh, I couldn't get on there to say, give us a job. She was wise, actually. Mm. She was wise, but she also was odd the way she went about it, you know, because she was so defensive. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. disabled comments, like love and light. This not is like disabled comments. You're all crap. This is such a random segue to like talk about a fashion blogger that we used to be. Well, I used to be mildly obsessed with. Yeah. Well, I mean, all, I mean, me too. So then we went to Fort Wayne and then like in Fort Wayne, it's, you know, it's it's in Indiana. It's definitely not um, an urban hub. And also you'll find like a bit like anywhere, you know. The jobs that are so specific, like lighting or entertainment, they're all taken. You know, they, there's yeah. like specific yeah. people, they're the go-to people in town. And I mean, I think Don could build up the connections if he was so inclined. But now we have four kids, you know, so. Yeah. And also like, would he want to? Well, I mean, I think he would. I don't he, mean I him, would Don, like but I mean, like, no. would anybody want to? Like, no, you I moved think to a new city, you're working in something like that. No, I like think that. Don is... Um, would you have to start at the bottom is kind of what I mean. Like th- no, That would be what would be hard. I don't think so, because I think coming from such a big city, you'd oh, probably be yeah, a bigger yeah, yeah. fish. But I, I also think that he's focused on different things now. You know what yeah. I mean? It's not it's not as intriguing, going back to your point, to something that you're five years out of the game. 
or six years out of the game because he freelanced for a while at the beginning mm-hmm. but to go back and now he's more focused on like how can I make music how can I do you know these other things mm. that he's passionate about so it's kind of interesting like you're not going back to the beginning but you're maybe having to relearn some things you're having to establish all these relationships I think is yeah. the hardest part you're having to kind of find your footing to go back to your point to me it's more that if somebody had said to me eight years ago like or seven years ago hey Don's gonna stay home I was like great if they said it to me now hey would you go back and do it again the same way I'm not sure I would because the pressure to be the main breadwinner I feel is so significant like all my options are and like this I don't mean this to sound in any way ungrateful but like sometimes I think I'd love to start a company I'd love to do this you can't do that on one income because you like you can't risk those things you have kids that you have to take care of and particularly in America that you figure out how are you going to pay for their college college, education although luckily they can maybe go in Ireland but but the point is like it's really difficult to think about it's all on you now like not in a like Don does so much I mean I'm not undermining that you know what I'm trying to say though right yeah yeah yeah. it's more that the literally the financial income is no of course I mean it's coming through you and I think all of your choices have to be made with the knowledge that your income provides for your family but like most you know obviously most this has been the male dilemma obviously for of course yeah you know generations and I don't but I don't think it was really a problem in the same way although I mean obviously for people who want to start their own companies or do their own thing it's that moment of risk how do you take that risk how do you yeah how can how do you sort of uh, reconcile that with the responsibilities that I mean, you look, have like it cuts off opportunities that, yeah. that you could have otherwise you know yeah you could if you 100%. had like if there were two of you working you could be like you know what I'll support you for a couple of years I'll support this like if you want to do something if you want to go and do an MBA if you want to do whatever you know you know what I mean obviously like having having children is great right yeah. having a partner is great mm-hmm. having your own home is great but all of those things, the fewer of those things you have, the freer you are to make big decisions like that. And and I don't mean that in a it's better, but I suppose I mean... But it's freeing, right? Because the, well, like, I mean, this thinking, afternoon... Thinking about myself, right? Mm-hmm. And kind of going, I'm I'm trying to kind of uh, get a visa to come to America for a year, maybe two years, maybe three years. The only reason that I could consider that when you suggested it to me in May is because I currently do not have a partner poor me I do not have a partner mm-hmm. I don't have any kids and I don't have a mortgage yeah and all of these things that I, I, I would have been like if you told me 10 years ago at the age of 34 you will be single you will not have your own home and you will not have um, any children well children I didn't think I wanted so fine but the other two I would have been really shocked and be like no I'm definitely going to have those mm-hmm. but actually as it happens if I had those I wouldn't have felt free to, to do this do you know what I mean so like well you does, might well you might if your partner was able to support you you know what I mean was willing and able to ah yeah the dream which it might be but like it's funny because this evening um, well before I put Nash to bed he started like complaining because his friend is going away in their camper this weekend and he's like I need a camper I said like honestly we don't need anything else that we own I was like we'll rent it if it breaks down we'll send it back like what'll we do if we we crash it I was like we'll claim on the insurance use our insurance and like but you know there's there's a lot to be said for this rental economy like Gen Z and the millennials I'd also right. like to I'm point out. <laughs> I'd also like to point out, as somebody who went on holidays with their parents in their camper, it's kind of shit. No, it's an RV, Rosemary. You're in America. It's basically like a hotel room. <sighs> it expands. You well, park in it. Ours expands. was one of these like Volkswagen vans that our dad. I was going to say Jimmy, didn't you? But like that, our dad j- jazzed up so that it had you a didn't raised. Think it was shit. She thought it was amazing. 
Uh, I mean, I thought Mom the camp and Dad itself... were up above and you were down below. No, I was up above with Claire. Oh, oh so Me and Claire cute. were cuddling up above in the roof. But it's weird sleeping in the same, like, two square meters as your parents. There's no doors or anything. I don't know. We did it all the time in New York, me and Don and mom and dad, um, because our apartment oh, had yeah, no you doors. Had to, you had a platform so, or something, yeah, we were you? on the platform bed in the kind of like alcove room and they were out in the sitting room. And I remember we used to wake up in the morning and they would They're be laughing, laughing and laughing chuckling and chatting. And Don, who I think is not used to this model of like family behavior because his parents broke up when he was about 11. He used to be like, I don't understand. What are they talking about? And I'd be like, I don't know, they're like Who chatting. The fuck knows? And they'd be chatting and chuckling you know, and um, laughing. They love each other. You know, I woke up one morning uh, when I was still living at home in our house in Kildare. I woke up one morning and I heard this like hysterical laughter from two of them in the kitchen, right? And I walked into the kitchen and basically what had happened was mom had hard boiled eggs the night before and she'd put them in a bowl and had forgotten which bowl had the hard boiled eggs and which bowl had the raw eggs. And dad had taken out his engineer's brain the next morning and gone, you know, Claire, when eggs are hard boiled, if you spin them, they spin on their side even, or on their I axis or something. Right? What is going to happen? Right. So mom's like, like, I think she just got annoyed with dad being like, I'll tell you how you can tell Claire. And she went, oh, do they? And she picked up a hard boiled egg and like mashed it into the counter. And they went, it's not spinning, Philip, because she cracked it on the side. Right. And dad went, for God's sake, try again. And he handed her another hard boiled egg. And she did the exact same thing, right? Where she like whacked it down on the counter. I was like, it's not spinning, Philip. And then he said, oh, try it again. And stop being so heavy handed. And he handed her a raw egg. (gasps) Deliberately? Yes. And she mashed it down the counter and it went everywhere. (laughs) And the two of them, I woke up and the two of them were like covered in egg and laughing their heads off. They were literally having the best morning of their lives. With this like hilarity. albumen. <laughs> it just goes to show where we get our simple oh. senses of humour from. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Speak for yourself. <laughs> yeah, I'll yoke. <laughs> That's enough. That's enough now. All white, I'll stop. Oh my God. I'm like, now comes the moment where I'm like desperately trying to think of an egg pun. And I can't think of anything. I'm just over this conversation already. <laughs> Listen, Liam's head will be scrambled now trying to edit this. <laughs> Jesus. I think you really don't need to pour another glass of that wine. <laughs> oh, God, that was good. Beatrice, it's been wonderful talking to you tonight for my podcast. I don't know that we've said anything intelligent. No, listen, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Oh, okay. If you laugh, the world laughs with you. Oh. Do you want people to follow you on, on your Instagram? Well, now that you've poached the subject, um, maybe, no. <laughs> Do you know what your Instagram handle is? No. <laughs> Don't follow her, just follow me. What is Rosemary my Instagram McCabe handle? with an oh. A on my Mac. Oh. Yours is Beatrice McCabe with an A on your Mac. Oh, good one. Thanks. I'm, I'm suddenly thinking, like, we should have done something like Maxi McCabe, Mini McCabe. Oh, that would have been really good. I'd be Mini. No, you're old. Okay. Unfortunately, uh, we never got as far as any of the wise sayings or the sagity that you were lo- the sagesse that you were looking for from me. Like, was there anything intelligent? I don't think I at any oh, point was good. looking for sagesse good. from you. Good, because there's none to be. Had. <laughs>
<laughs> so it would not be high on my list. Thank you all for listening to this very long and rambling episode of How to Be Sound. If you manage to differentiate between our voices, then you've done better than Beatrice's children can do. Uh, exactly. <laughs> because well in the mornings when you wake up and say good morning, they go, who's that? Is it mom or is it Rosemary? Mm-hmm. They really, really love us. Um, if you would like to follow me, you can do so across all social media. Rosemary McKay with an A on my Mac. If you'd like to sign up to my Patreon, then you clearly have great taste. Patreon.com slash Rosemary McCabe. And the producer of How To Be Sound is Liam Garrity. Liam Garrity, podcaster and puppeteer extraordinaire. You can listen to his own podcast at meetyourmaker.ie. And he's great. You should look at his website. Infinitely patient. The infinitely patient Liam Garrity. Thank you all very much for listening and I'll catch you next time. Bye. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.